This is an episode of the Done Deal Podcast. Welcome to the Done Deal Podcast. Uh, unfortunately, today with, we're without our host, David Harris. Uh, David is in India for work, and we've been struggling to uh, to get the podcast recording going due to the time difference um, and some Wi-Fi issues and stuff like that. So, unfortunately for your listeners, you're going to have to settle for just me today. Uh, I'm Morgan Dunn. I'm a contributor to the fan-sided NBA News Desk and fan-sided Sir Charles in Charge. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about uh, some early surprises in the NBA season so far. You know, we're about a dozen or so games in, and, uh, you know, there's been some interesting trends developing. Uh, So anyway, I just wanted to quickly start with... uh, a small announcement that I have left the runner sports. Um, sad to go. Uh, I was there for just a short stay, but unfortunately, um, things just weren't lining up for myself and the website, sort of at different spots um, in our careers or endeavors, whatever you want to, however you want to put it. But uh, yeah, I decided to leave that website, uh, but I do hope. Uh, Hope they do well going forward, and I think they have a strong vision for the future. Uh, you know, they're trying to stay, stay away from the hot takes of the world and and just, you know, just kind of have good quality uh, sports analysis. So I, I definitely recommend checking the site out, and uh, again, I hope for the best for them. Uh, I have another opportunity potentially emerging uh, for a for another website um, and talks with them about potentially doing some content. So uh, if that comes together, I'll definitely let uh, let everyone know. So anyway, let's dive into some of these topics. Uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about is the struggles of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, as of now, uh, I'm recording this on November 12th, uh, the Cavaliers wouldn't even be in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Um, Obviously, this team has had a lot of turnover uh, in the offseason with Kyrie being traded to Boston and, uh, you know, some new additions uh, and some losses on the roster aside from Kyrie. But um, LeBron's been great. Uh, That's the one constant of this season so far for Cleveland uh, in a positive light. Uh, If anybody saw him play against the Wizards last week... um, where he put up 57 points. It was absolutely incredible. One of the most impressive performances I've ever seen from a player that I consider to be the best to ever play basketball. And, um, I mean, he's, he showed off some offensive versatility that we really haven't seen a ton of from him. Um, you know, he was he was working switches, so he would get put on uh, a lot of the Washington guards like John Wall and Bradley Beal. And then he just worked them over by posting them up. I mean, he was hitting some ridiculous turnaround fadeaways, um, you know, that aren't going to go in all that much. And obviously he was just feeling it. But if he can continue to develop his post game and transition to the four, you know, as he gets older, he's just going to continue to be great for a long time. Uh, But as a team, the Cavaliers have really, really struggled defensively. Uh, Currently, they rank dead last in defensive efficiency in the entire league. Um, You know, Dwayne Wade hasn't been good. Uh, He's averaging less than nine points a game, shooting under 40% from the floor. J.R. Smith 
got off to a terrible start. He's been coming around a little more the last few games, but his PER is still hovering around six. Um, but I think with this team, you just have to preach patience. Uh, you know, we got a, some new pieces. They don't still don't have Isaiah Thomas yet. I mean, he's the main prize they received back in the deal for Kyrie Irving. So, you know, this team is incomplete, still feeling things out. Uh, I do have serious questions about Ty Lue as a coach, and I have since they, you know, promoted him after the Blatt firing a couple of years ago, but that's a conversation for a different podcast. But I think basically what I'm getting at is I'm not worried about Cleveland. It's way, way, way too early to be worried about Cleveland. Yes, there are some glaring issues right now, but you just got to give them some time. It's still early. Um, the next topic I want to talk about is the Boston Celtics, who obviously experienced uh, that gut-wrenching injury to Gordon Hayward on opening night. They've been awesome, <laughs> even without Hayward. Um, you know, they, they started 0-2, and now they're winners of 11 in a row. And they sit at the top of the East, and they look like the best team in the East, no question, uh, thus far. And you can even make an argument they look like the best team in the league, even though we know who who that really is. Um, yeah, it, you know, it was easy to write off Boston a little bit when Hayward went down. Uh, but their first in defensive, defensive efficiency, um, they've really been exceptional on that end of the floor. And they defend, they've been defending the three-point line really well. And obviously, that's more important than ever uh, in the modern NBA. Um Kyrie looks really engaged on defense, actually, for the first time in his career, which uh, I'm pretty amazed at because he's been such a poor and and sort of disinterested uh, defender throughout really the entirety of his career. Um, I'm still super annoyed with Kyrie Irving pretty consistently. I think every time he opens his mouth, just the way he talks about stuff, it's like he thinks he's Yoda or some kind of guru or something. I got news for you. Kyrie Irving is not Yoda. He's not a guru. He's not God, no matter what he might think. I don't really understand his personality or if he's just messing with people, but he acts like he's some omniscient presence when he does interviews with the media, and I just I just don't understand what's going on there. But he's been really good on the basketball court, and that's all that really matters for this team. Um, Brad Stevens is just proving himself to be an even better coach than I think a lot of us gave him credit for. And most of us were giving him a ton of credit. Um, you know, he's he's got everyone buying in right now. Um, Jason Tatum looks like he, he probably should have been the first pick in the draft. Um, been really impressed by him, especially his three-point shooting, which is something that, you know, coming out of Duke was seen sort of as a deficiency of his, but he's been awesome from behind the arc. Jalen Brown looks better than I thought he would this season. Those two guys have been really important. But the depth of this team, their bench plays really well. You know, guys guys like Rozier stepping up. and The Horford injury that just happened, he's got a concussion again. That That's going to hurt. You know, he missed, he missed a good chunk of games last year with a concussion. And obviously you have to be really careful with head injuries and anything that affects the brain. But... Uh, his, uh, it'll be interesting to see how well this team performs on both ends of the court with Horford out because, you know, he's kind of like the unsung engine that makes everything go uh, with this team. Uh, his his versatility, his basketball IQ, I mean, he still remains one of the 
most underrated big men in the league. You know, his numbers might not look that flashy, but he does everything well, and they're definitely going to miss him. So I'll be interested to see. I think Kyrie might have to revert a little bit offensively to playing a little more hero ball. In the meantime, they might kind of need it, but hopefully he doesn't get, you know, kind of stuck in that rut. Another team that's been playing really well is the Orlando Magic, and that's more surprising than the Boston success for sure. Um, Aaron Gordon's back at the four now, and that's where he belongs. I mean, he's been masquerading as a three for a year or two now, and I think it's just obvious that he's a power forward, and it's okay, you know? Um, I think he's been shooting really well from three. I don't necessarily expect that to continue. The whole team is shooting... Uh, 40% from three right now, which is second only Golden State. And that seems unsustainable for a team, you know, that that doesn't have a ton of good shooters. Uh, I think they're going to come back down to earth there. But, you know, Evan Fournier has been really good, especially in uh, Alfred Payton's absence. Um, Vucevic has been really good, as usual. Um, you know, And like, like I mentioned, Gordon definitely looks more comfortable at the four. He's taking steps forward. I think he is becoming more of a complete player, but that doesn't mean he has to turn into a three. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people wanted that from him. And I think sometimes we get caught up in, like, you know, the highest possible ceiling of players instead of just sort of accepting a more realistic ceiling for them. Uh, and I think Gordon fits the bill there. I don't necessarily know if I'm a believer in this Orlando team yet. Um, they've just been so mediocre to bad the past few seasons that. I don't really see why they will be much that much better this year and, and why, you know, this is a sustainable trend instead of more of just a flash in the pan. I think I'm willing to admit that it's possible that they, you know, land one of the last couple of playoff spots in the East because it's so weak. But, you know, I don't see them shaking up the top half of the, of the playoff bracket or anything like that. Uh, another team that's exceeding expectations a bit is the Indiana Pacers. Uh, this is a team that I liked probably more than any non-Pacers fan uh, heading into the season. And, you know, while they're hovering around 500, I think that's still better than a lot of people anticipated. And, uh, you know, the much maligned Paul George trade actually is starting to look, uh, you know, a little better at least with uh, Victor Oladipo's playing really well as the go-to option in this offense. Um He's shooting nearly 45% from three, which is obviously going to come down a bit. But, you know, he's looking good. He's averaging 23 a game, uh, you know, using his athleticism to make plays. And, you know, he's been a pretty reliable scoring option on a team that definitely needs it. And and it's nice to see him out of the out of the radius of Russell Westbrook. You know, I think that was just a really bad fit for him last year. And I really liked the trade for you know, moving him to a team where he would have a little more freedom offensively. And, you know, it's working out so far. But also, uh, Demonis Sabonis, the other part of that Paul George trade, has looked really, really good. Um, he just missed some time with an, a calf injury, I believe. But I think he came back last night. And uh, he's been really good, just crashing the boards. You know, he's just one of those gritty players that's you know, not necessarily going to look great doing it, but he's pretty effective, and he's he's nice as a as you know your first big off the bench, and he, he's really been 
excelling even more than that so far but i think if he settles as their first big off the bench you know uh, that's a good spot for him moving forward and so you know these are the two players that that indiana indiana got in return for george and i think you know it's just looking like a a semi-decent package instead of you know people were just calling it a terrible trade and i actually thought it was a decent trade at the time um thaddeus young's playing really well he's a player i've always really liked pretty underrated he's getting a you know a lot more touches offensively and he's the kind of player who's just constantly moving cutting to the basket making good plays you know running the floor um you know he can step out and hit some threes if he gets open looks too and Darren Collison's been good uh running the point uh you know he's not a pure pure point guard in the that sense but uh you know he's been really good and a, a good value signing for them Miles Turner's been really good. He's not making a huge leap this year, um, but he's protecting the rim well. He's rebounding the ball at a decent rate. You know, offensively, he's still got a ways to go. But, you know, I still think he's a really nice young piece to build around going forward. Uh, The Pacers definitely need to make some strides defensively, but I still think they could be a playoff team. You know, I think this team's going to get a little better as the season goes on. You know, there's a lot of new pieces in place there. And uh, I think, you know, again, like the last two or three seeds in the East are up for their grabs. And I think this is a team that could legitimately, you know, make a run and and really give, you know, one of those top teams kind of a at least annoying series in the first round, you know, and not, they're not going to just cruise through this team. This team's kind of gritty and, and, and I like them. So the last uh, surprise that I wanted to wanted to note on the podcast here uh, deals with my favorite team, uh, the New York Knicks. And while the Knicks having a winning record is certainly a surprise, I think the the main topic to talk about here is Kristaps Porzingis. I think we're entering the territory where it's safe to say that this guy is an absolute monster. Um, He's averaging 30 and 7 right now with more than two blocks a game. His PR is over 30. Uh, I think he's just even further along offensively than we expected him to be. You know, uh, with Carmelo and Derrick Rose being gone, a lot of people expected him to, you know, take on a much larger offensive role in New York, obviously. You know, those guys just spent most of the season just not passing to him. And, uh, you know, now he's just been unleashed. He's been handed the keys to the kingdom. He's the franchise player. And, uh, you know, I think the future is now, and the unicorn is very, very real. Um, His most incredible accomplishment this season might be getting the Knicks to a winning record early here, but Jeff Hornacek definitely deserves credit for that as well, as do a multitude of other players. Um, Porzingis already looks like one of the best offensive weapons in the league. Um, Jonathan Macri, a writer who uh, also contributes to Sir Charles in charge uh, put it really well I saw him on Twitter he said uh, that it's it's amazing to watch Porzingis slowly realizing that he's seven foot three because there's so many plays where, he, where he's exploiting his size now in ways that he definitely wasn't previous seasons um, and he's just an absolute matchup nightmare um, you know uh I was listening to the Rosolo podcast, which is a great NBA podcast that Ryan Rosillo puts out, uh, and his team over there, uh, Steve Cerruti, and they uh, they were talking about 
who would be the best player in the league five years from now. And Ryan did say, reserve the right to change his mind constantly because there's so many interesting young players in the league. But when pressed, he picked Porzingis. And I think that's realistic. I mean, offensively, the sky is the absolute limit for this guy. It's really amazing uh, what he can do. He can exploit any matchup on any defender. And uh, he was my preseason pick for most improved player. Uh, and I think as long as he doesn't get hurt, that's a pretty much a lock. So glad to see that. Glad to see the Knicks are winning. I hope I'm not coming off as too biased here because I think, uh, you know, it's pretty much, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious that this guy is just a really, really special player. So that's pretty much it for the early season surprises. You know, I don't want to be too long-winded here without David. You may already be sick of hearing my voice. But the last thing I wanted to touch on quickly was um, the Eric Bledsoe trade. So the Eric Bledsoe saga didn't last too long. Um, just a couple of weeks, I guess. And uh, Phoenix moved Bledsoe to the Milwaukee Bucks in exchange for Greg Monroe and some heavily protected first round pick action. Um, the protections are pretty complicated. I'm not going to get into those. But uh, essentially, Phoenix got a first round pick at some point in the next few years that's probably not going to be that great for Bledsoe. Not a very good haul uh, for Phoenix, but that was to be expected because they were just up operating at a position of no leverage after it was, you know, public knowledge that Bledsoe wanted out of Phoenix. So, you know, they did pretty much the best they could there, though. Perhaps they should have been a little more patient, but that's kind of a difficult thing to do, um, just playing a guy to sit at home. But uh, I really like the trade for Milwaukee. Um, you know, Bledsoe isn't the best playing off the ball. You know, his spot-up shooting is not great. Um, and he's going to have to do that quite a bit with Giannis handling the ball a lot. But he's a really good defender, and he's just a massive upgrade talent-wise for this team. And they didn't have to give up much to get him. I mean, Monroe's going to be missed, uh, but, you know, he never turned into, like, the cornerstone piece of that team that they envisioned him being, you know, when they signed him to that big contract. So it's not a huge loss, and the pick, whenever they end up giving it up, is not going to be that big of a deal for this team. Um, but yeah, I think the Bucks. you know, the time is now. Giannis is ready. You know, it's time to try to make a run. And we'll see how Jabari Barker fits in when, uh, when he comes back from injury. And there's really no way to know how he's going to look. But if you have Giannis, the East is this week. The Cavaliers look vulnerable again, even though I don't necessarily believe that as of now um you know it could be the time to try to make a run try to get to the eastern conference finals and i think a player like bledsoe who's going to contribute on both ends of the floor super athletic um you know and this team has struggled defensively uh the bucks actually were really good defensively in jason kidd's first year there but they've they've gotten worse i think every year since then and it's it's kind of an odd trend but you know, Bledsoe definitely help. Um, you know, he can lock things down. You know, maybe not lock things down against a lot of really skilled ones in this league, but you know, he'll be he'll be good, and he's an upgrade. And I just definitely think that uh, 
that it was a good deal for the Bucks, and and I'm a big fan of Eric Bledsoe, and uh, I think you know they they kind of stole him there, and obviously the circumstances uh, dictated that uh, in the market, but I still think it was a great deal for them. So anyway, that's it for today in the Done Deal podcast. Um, we don't have necessarily like a weekly schedule with this thing, but uh, you know we're trying to do at least like two a month, anywhere from two to four a month. Um, David is going to be in India for most of November, but we're going to try to hammer out some of these uh, these roadblocks we've been dealing with um, while he's there and maybe just try to get another podcast in before the end of the month. Uh, we've got some interesting things coming up. We've been talking about some fake trades, um, coaching hot seats, you know, fun stuff like that. We're just kind of themed podcast episodes where we can delve into some some fun stuff Uh, that hopefully you guys will enjoy too. So anyway, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Done Deal Podcast.